Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. I don't think it's a coincidence that I've been studying Genesis and Exodus for like (laughs) the last two months, so I'll just put that out there. That's what we're talking about tonight, so good job, Kenny. It's like you prayed or something before you picked the songs this week. Every once in a while. (laughs) No, but I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that's just one of those little God winks that God always does, a little bit of confirmation. So yeah, so like I said, I've been studying Genesis and Exodus a lot these last couple months. I've found that, I don't know, I've always struggled my my whole life in um, knowing what to read in the Bible. Like, from front to back is a little difficult for me. (laughs) Um, And I never know, I don't know, it's hard to to know, like, I don't like each day sometimes to read something just random. So anyway, I'm always praying, like, what am I supposed to be reading? And I found that if I pray to God, you know, every few months about a book or a couple books to give me and just read them over and over and over, it's cool to find how many new things you find every time you read it. (laughs) Even though it's the exact same thing and the Bible never changed and the words are all the same, every time you read it, you get something else out of it which is because it's the word of God. And so I've been studying Genesis a lot, and I love the story of Joseph. And so that's kind of what we're going to be in tonight and, and talking about his life. Obviously, we don't have time to read the entire thing about his life, so we're going to be, I'll just be summarizing parts of it. But I thought it was interesting, as you're reading Genesis, there's some really crazy stuff in there. If you haven't read it lately, you should. <laughs> There's some stuff we forget about, but I thought it was interesting that Joseph is one of the first people in the Bible that it doesn't talk about the sins that he committed. And of course, everybody sins, so we know that Joseph did sin. Um, Nobody was perfect until Jesus came. But I mean, of course, you have Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit. You have Cain and Abel murder. Noah got drunk. You have Abraham lying about Sarah, Isaac lying about Rebekah, Jacob stealing Esau's blessing. And of course, these are all godly people, and they're people that God, of course, it was part of God's plan, and they were appointed. But I just thought it was an interesting fact that then it comes to Joseph and his life and everything that happened to him, which was a lot of bad things that we'll talk about, but it doesn't talk about him sinning, which I think is really interesting, and about him living a life of God and, and through, G- through God. And so as I've been reading this um, and reading through his life, I feel like there was five truths that I've pulled from the story. And so that's just all I'm gonna go over tonight is just those five truths as we go along in his life. So like I said, I, I am gonna read snippets of it. So we're starting in Genesis chapter 39. Um, I will be summarizing parts, but please, please feel free to read it yourself. I make sure that I'm not lying. (laughs) You got to hold me accountable. So starting off, just as a little background, Joseph was one of his, really, his father's favorite son. And so obviously the rest of his brothers hated him for that. That tends to happen with people. Um, We don't like when people favor others over us. At this point, Joseph is 17 in the, before chapter 39, but he's, 
17 years old, and he has a couple dreams. And we're going to come back to that later um, at the end about what the dreams were. But he has a couple dreams, and he goes to his, par- or to his dad and his brothers, and he's telling them about the dreams and, you know, what God is speaking to him through them, and it made them really mad. <laughs> and they weren't happy with it. And even his dad got offended by the dreams as well. So then, as everybody knows, there's a day when the brothers are by themselves out working in the fields, and they get this plan to get Joseph to come out, and they end up putting him in a hole, and then he gets taken captive and eventually taken into Egypt. And so that's kind of where we're starting. That's when we get to chapter 39. So I'm going to read Genesis 39, verses 1 through 6. And it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was with successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessings of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And so the first truth that I'm going to talk about is that our decision to follow God should be apparent in our everyday lifestyle. God was with Joseph because Joseph was with God. Um, And he was taken into Egypt, and ultimately he was a slave. Joseph was still following God and pursuing God, and and it showed that God blessed him because of that. And he blessed the household. He blessed Potiphar's household, and Potiphar knew that. And that's why he made Joseph um, head over the household. And it didn't matter that Joseph had been taken captive. He still was obedient to God. And true obedience should not be altered by what we can't control. I think that's one of the first things that (laughs) God's really been speaking to me. Because if you think about it, we can't control a lot of things, (laughs) which we hate. So... um, it's just human nature. We want to be in control. We want to be in control of anything and everything, but a lot of the time we have control over really nothing except for the fact that we can control our relationship with God and our pursuit of him and our desire to grow in him and grow in our relationship to him. And if you think about it, so Joseph's taken into Egypt. It absolutely is not, they do not have the same beliefs as Joseph has. They serve many gods. They worship many gods. It's a completely different lifestyle there. But it still didn't alter what he believed. And I thought something interesting that the more I read this, it's not like Joseph had the Bible. (laughs) It's not like at this point Joseph had the Ten Commandments. It's not, you know, it's the Exodus hadn't happened because he just got to Egypt in the first place. So all they had was the stories from their ancestors and their actual relationship with God which wasn't, I mean, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, obviously. This is way before Jesus came. I mean, so I don't know. It just kind of blows my mind when you think about that, that he has to want to pursue God and to talk to God and to have this relationship or else he wouldn't. Like, there's nothing, like, we can always turn 
even if we feel like, oh, I feel like God's not speaking to me. Well, we have the word, and we can read the Bible, and we know the truths, and we know the history, and we know everything that happens, but this is just the very beginning of the history, <laughs> if you think about it. It's just in the very beginning. So I think it is very eye-opening to look at Joseph's life, and I think that's why I found so much interest in it, is to know his dedication to Jesus. And it's such a good example for him. And it just makes me wonder, like, can people see God through the way that I live my life? If it was a new person and I moved to a new place, and it, like it was a new job, would they know that I'm a follower of Jesus just by my actions? Just like when Joseph was taken slave, they didn't necessarily believe in God, but they knew that he believed in a God and that God still blessed him in that household. And I just ask, like, are we being a, a physical display of the gospel in the way that we're acting? And it's just a big eye-opener for me because the answer is probably no <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, but I want to be, and that's, I want to strive to be that way. Um, so truth number one, again, that our decision to follow God should be apparent in our lifestyle. And then truth number two is that our circumstances do not change God's promises. In the story, we have that Joseph is working for Potiphar. Well, it does say in that last verse that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, so he's a good-looking guy. And Potiphar's wife thinks he's a good-looking guy, too. And she keeps trying to seduce him. And, of course, he keeps saying no. He knows that's a sin He doesn't because she's married. He doesn't want to have anything to do with her. And so he keeps saying no. Well, there's a point where Joseph and her are alone, and, again, she's trying to seduce him. Um, and he says no, and he runs away. He can see where this is going, and he runs away, but she grabs his garment, and so he leaves. She's left with his garment. Well, then her husband comes home, and she makes up this story and lie about Joseph, about things that he did to her because she had his garment. They weren't true, but Potiphar thought they were and got very angry and threw him in prison. And we're going to look at Genesis 39, verse 20 and 23. It says, Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all of the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper." Sounds familiar, right? <laughs> he's gone. He was a slave, but now he's a slave in prison. But he still is made head over the prisoners that are in the prison. I think we can already see that it's apparent that God was with Joseph in every place that he went. He is with Joseph at home with his family, even though, you know, his, his dad loved him a lot, but his brothers hated him. He was with him in Egypt when he was a slave, but he still was with him in that home. And then he's with him in prison still. So you notice that it doesn't matter what, where Joseph is, God's hand is over him and over everything that Joseph does. And again, it's apparent. And the, the guard over the prisoners, same thing. He can see it, and he can see that uh, Joseph is a follower of God and that God is blessing his life. And just because those circumstances changed, God's love for Joseph and his hand over Joseph's life did not. Um, you know, we know the big picture, and eventually we'll see what God's plan for Joseph was, but Joseph doesn't know that. <laughs> if only we knew that, right? If we knew, could see our whole life and what that's going to look like. 
no matter where he went, God was with him. And we have to make sure that our faith and our devotion to God can't be based off of what goes on around us. Because no matter our circumstance, God is with us. And I think that's a downfall of man, is that we think God is with us when we're doing well, but when we're suffering or if we're going through loss or whatever the case, it's a lot of things and a lot of suffering that we go through as followers, sometimes we tend to think that that's a sign that God isn't with us anymore. Although, if we're going through hardships, sometimes that's even a better sign that we're growing closer to God. And so we just have to remember that, that it doesn't matter, like what happens in our life or with the circumstances we're in has nothing to do with our relationship with Jesus. And that is one of those things, again, that we can control. He, Joseph couldn't control that he was taken captive. He couldn't control that he was made prisoner. Of course, he had no control over things, and he did nothing wrong. He shouldn't have been in prison. So really, he was wronged, but he never held that against God. And he never said, you know, God must not be real or God must hate me because I'm in prison. Like if God loved me, he knows the truth. He would have gotten me out of here. All those things that we would probably say, or at least I would say, Joseph didn't say that because he just stuck to what he knew about God and staying faithful to him. So then truth number three is that our timing is not God's timing. That's probably my biggest one, <laughs> biggest struggle. <laughs> Joseph's in prison. He is kind of head over a lot of the prisoners, but he is still a prisoner. Um, he is not free there. But while he's there, two people get thrown into the prison with him, a butler and a baker. And Joseph noticed one day that they're both really down and they're not themselves. And he says, you know, what's wrong and what happened? And they said, well, we each had our own dream and no one can interpret it for us. And we don't understand what, what's going on. Joseph says, well, through my God, I can interpret your dreams. What are they? And so they tell him the dreams. And he says, well, for the butler, good news. You're going to be restored in three days. You're going to get out of prison. You're going to be freed. For the baker, not as great of news. You're going to be beheaded in three days. <laughs> I always wonder, like, <laughs> they're hoping, hopefully his God's wrong because I do not want that. But, of course, those were the tr that is the truth, and that is what happened. So um, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 40 now, verse 14 and 15. It says, um, but and this is Joseph speaking to the butler and the baker, and he says, But remember me when it was well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon." And so he's saying, look, you're welcome for interpreting your dream. You're welcome for giving you, a some, one of you, good news. But please remember me and tell Pharaoh about me and tell me, like, I'm not supposed to be here. First off, I shouldn't have been taken captive. But second off, I shouldn't be in this prison, and I was wronged, and I shouldn't be here. But then we skip ahead a few verses. Anyway, the dreams came true. Um, the, the butler was restored, and the baker was beheaded. And then in verse 23, it says, Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And so he forgot what Joseph asked him. <laughs> he did not tell Pharaoh what had happened, and he did not try to get him out of prison, which you can just imagine would be quite frustrating. Joseph probably thought this was, um, there was a little bit of hope finally in his situation. And I think that's a point for us, though, that Joseph was actively seeking God's plan. 
So it's not that he just interpreted the dream and just assumed, yeah, that's just something that happened. He knew this could be a divine, something divine that God put in my life, and like this is from God, and I'm going to seek it and use this to hopefully do what's right and get out of prison um, and maybe eventually go back to my home. So it's not that he sat back and just, okay, here's your dream, and then didn't say anything else. He was actively seeking God's plan. But he found that must not have been God's plan because the butler forgot about him. But the thing is, he doesn't, again, he doesn't get mad at God for that, and he doesn't say, because, just like the butler forgot me, God forgot about me. If God loved me, he would get me out of prison. If God loved me, I wouldn't have been taken captive. But he knew God and the truths of God and knew that that must not be in God's timing and must not be in, his, in God's plan. And if as we read through this story, which we will in a minute, um, and eventually he does get out of prison, it's easy to think, like, to just notice that, you know, God's plan was to get him out of prison, and so eventually he got out. It was just another way, which is true, but we overlook the fact that he was in prison for two more years after that, and there's nothing that it talks about. It just says he w it was two years, but there's nothing that special that was talked about during those times. So you've got to think, these are everyday, mundane days as a prisoner in jail. And it says, you know, of course, that God blessed him and God was with him, but it doesn't change the fact that he was in this awful place and that he was in suffering. I know when I think about that, I mean, of course, I would hope that I would be like Joseph and it, I would just grow closer to God, but I don't know for sure if I would. I mean, just imagine if we were put in jail, falsely accused of something, um, or you think of, of people, you know, in foreign countries who are put into jail for being believers or for sharing the gospel. And it's, I mean, it's real if you think about it. Like, what would our reaction be if that happened? Would we grow closer to God or would we grow farther away from him and blame him for what was happening? But my prayer is that we would grow closer to God. And as we all know, it seems like in our times that are the hardest, when all we have left is God and our relationship, that's when we grow closer to him. And I think, I mean, it doesn't say it, but I think that that's probably what happened with Joseph. God was all he had left. He didn't have his family. He had no idea where they were. He didn't, he was in a completely foreign country. He had no control over any part of his life at that time. And so he used it to trust in God and trust in God's timing. And that's what we have to do. And we need to actively seek God's plan, um, like I said. And, you know, if we feel like God is opening a door for us, absolutely pursue that open door. But then we feel that God closes the door. We have to be accepting of that, too, and trust God and his word and his promises to us and know that God has something better for us coming up. Um, and then we have to trust that God will place us in our divine destiny when the time is right. And that is exactly what he did with Joseph. So that leads us to truth number four, which is that everything has purpose in God's plan. So he's in prison. It's been two years. And then Pharaoh has two dreams. And of course, no one can interpret them. Um, he doesn't know what they mean. 
and it's really bothering him. And he's telling the people around him that no one can interpret it. And then a light bulb goes off in the butler. <laughs> he's still there. Goes off in his brain and he goes, oh no. <laughs> I was supposed to tell you I know a guy who can interpret this. He actually sort of saved my life. He interpreted my dream. And let me, let me go get him and, and he can interpret it. And so they go get Joseph. He cleans up. Um, they bring him in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, can you interpret these? And he says, I can't, but through my God, I can interpret your two dreams. And so um, we won't get into the actual dreams, but Pharaoh tells him about both of them. And then Joseph says, both, ultimately, both dreams are saying the exact same thing. And really, it's saying that there's going to be seven really plentiful, great years here in Egypt. And then after that, there's going to be seven years of great famine. And he says, you know, just a thought. <laughs> what you really should be doing is during these seven years, you should appoint someone here in your office to, to take in the grain and to take in all the bounty that we have in these seven plentiful years, store them away, keep track of them, so that in the next seven years during a famine, when nobody has everything, we're able to distribute it and everybody doesn't die. We can all stay alive through these seven bad years. And so we're going to look at chapter 41 verse 37 through 41. So Joseph has just told Pharaoh this, and it says, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of, his ser of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? So they're asking a person who could be, you know, take care of all of the, the, good, the grains and everything that are going to come in in the seven good years. And it says, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Talk about a, <laughs> a little bit of good news. So Pharaoh's saying, you know, who are we going to choose to do this? And then they're going to say, we don't know of a more, no one as discerning and wise as you. And not only is he going to be over the food and everything, but it says, you'll be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only regard, in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. So he's right under the Pharaoh, which is crazy. He's coming from prison. I mean, Pharaoh probably knows why he's there, I would assume. It doesn't say that, but he is trusting him and, and he's probably taking the word of the guard and over the prison and maybe Potiphar and, and the butler. And it's like all these people who know him and know that he is a man of God. And so anyway, he's appointed and taken out of prison and he is put into a very powerful place. And I find it interesting that without being put into prison, Joseph couldn't have interpreted those two dreams from the butler and baker. And if he hadn't interpreted those dreams, how would the, the butler have told Pharaoh about it? And how would Pharaoh have known that he could have interpreted his dreams through that? And if he hadn't have interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, then how would they have known what was going to happen? And if they didn't know what was going to happen, they would not have appointed somebody to be over this food and to take care of this problem that was going to happen, which means that Joseph would have still just been a slave. And when you think of it that way, you can almost say it was a blessing that he was thrown into prison. <laughs> and that sounds funny, because why would we ever say that? But it's because God's plan is perfect, and he always has a purpose in what he does. 
And I just want to offer, like, I hope that's encouraging to all of us, because I feel like it's just been really encouraging to me as I study this, to know that in our world, being thrown into prison is a very bad thing. <laughs> like being put into jail, very bad thing. But everything God can use for his plan. And you just think about our lives. I mean, even before we were saved, the things we did, but yet God, and I know in every single one of our lives, we have stories about how God turned that for the good and turned that for his glory. And I think it's encouragement as well. We have family members or people who are suffering or people who don't believe right now. Like just know that God has a plan. And even if it seems in the darkest of places to us and absolutely nothing good can come out of this, that's not the case. Like God can turn anything for his good. And because of Joseph's relationship with God, as we've been, you know, as I said, these last few years, he's, he's been praying to God. He has a close relationship with him. They knew and Pharaoh recognized that Joseph had a discerning spirit and everyone around him, that was apparent to them. We want people to see that, to say that we have a discerning spirit and we want to, to be able to discern, you know, God and his plan and, and um, God's will. But we can't discern the good from the evil if we are not deep in God's word and if we don't know um, the presence of God. And that's the tricky part. <laughs> we can say there's, you know, we can say we're believers and we can say that, you know, we can feel God and we can feel his presence, which can be true. But if we do not read God's word and we do not know the truth, then how are we going to be grounded upon anything when it comes to a place where there's a storm and when we're going to be tossed around. Because the truth is, if we don't know that, we are going to be tossed around in the lies of the enemy unless we know what is God's truth. And in these current times, I mean, it's probably gonna get worse, but so far, I feel like in these times, it is so easy to get thrown away, thrown around in the lies of the enemy. If you consider just social media, Every day, the second you get onto Facebook or, or Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, there is so much information at your fingertips. And when you read it, it, it you're taking it in. I mean, your brain is processing it. And if we don't know what's true and what God's word is, then how are we to know if what we're taking in and what we're reading is actually true? And if it's not actually true, but we think it's true and we're taking that in, what is that doing to our life? And what is that doing to our relationship with God? Chris and I went to another church, I don't know, a few months ago, our, our, um, one of our kids, uh, our goddaughter, I guess, was getting dedicated. And so we went to their church and it was good. I just, but during the whole sermon, I just felt like, God was speaking to me, and I felt so convicted, not, not because of the pastor, like it was a good message, I'm not, I'm not saying it wasn't, it was, but I was looking around, and nobody in that church had a Bible, like that's just how it is at that church, you don't bring a Bible, and he did pull verses from, from the Bible, and you know, he put them up on the screen, and I'm not saying you can't put them up on the screen, like that's fine, and you can have a Bible on your phone and everything, but I was just thinking to myself, like I don't know these verses by heart, and if nobody has a Bible, how do you even know that's true? <laughs> and I'm not saying they weren't, but my point is, in the whole message, it was, it was a good message, and it was kind of like a, you know, feel-good thing, and, and those are good, and we need those, and I mean, my message is probably a feel-good message, 
but it was just pulling little snippets of verses, not even the whole verse, completely out of context of what, they, what was being said in the Bible about those verses. And I feel like we see that a lot in this day and age. We, we see a, a one tiny piece of a verse, and then there's a huge thing after that of what someone is interpreting that as, and you know, and it's fine. But it is up to us to go into the Bible, to find that verse, and to read it, and not just that, but the part before it, and the part after it, and to figure out what God is talking about. And I have been more convicted of this in the last, probably this year, than I have ever been in my life. And I mean, even Dave, he is the best pastor. We all know that, obviously. He'll be listening to this. He'll, he'll know. <laughs> But he teaches straight from the word, and he has us follow along in our Bible, which I respect so much, because so few places do that now. And there's even, you know, pastors from all around the world that I really respect, and I followed for a long time. They still, you know, they, they have great messages, and I still listen to them. But more than any time now, I am, like, if I'm listening to their podcast, I'm feeling like I need to go back if I'm, you know, driving or whatever. When I get home, I am wanting to open it up to what they were talking about and to read it. And I'm not, I, I don't want it to sound like <laughs> everything you hear is probably a lie because that's not true and I, I don't want it to sound that way. But I do know that things are really twisted and words are really twisted. And I mean, just think about politics. I mean, just everything in our world going on right now, like things are twisted to fit their agenda and what someone wants you to get out of it. And so I just know with me, like for a long time, I have just believed what people told me. I mean, even, you know, once I went to YWAM, Youth with a Mission, there was a lot of things and they asked us a lot of really hard questions about what do you believe? And it's easy answers. We know it from Sunday school and we tell them. And then they said, but why do you believe that? Like, where does it say that in the Bible? And there's some things that I thought were true, I just thought we had to do. And as I started studying, I was like, wow, that's not even in there. Doesn't even talk about that. And they weren't always bad things, but it's just we need to know what's, what God has said and what is in this book. And no matter how many lessons we listen to and other people's opinions and other people, you know, what they're telling us, that's great. And we can learn from those, but it is up to us to read it and to read his word and to grow in his word. That's kind of my tangent, sorry, but <laughs> um, I just feel like that's so important. And I 100% like, please hold me accountable because I don't want to be, you know, as I'm saying this and then I'm making up this whole story about Joseph. Like, <laughs> I want you to go and read all these things that I'm talking about. And I invite you to do that. And if there's anything that has been said that's not true, I want to know because we have to hold each other accountable and we have to know God and know what his truths are. And I think it's, it's interesting that when Joseph is put into this position of leadership, he, it's after these two years, really multiple years, but the two years in prison when he's been building his relationship with God and growing closer to her and listening to God. And again, he doesn't have the word to grow to, so he can only listen to what God is telling him and what he, you know, sees going on around him and, and what God is doing in his life. Um, and so again, it's just that truth that everything has purpose in God's plan. We have to remember that. Um, and it is encouraging. So um, the, next, the last, next and final truth is that God fulfills his promises. And I mean, there was a song about that. Kenny talked about that. Again, like 
that's also one of the most encouraging things that we can read in his word, that there was never a promise that hasn't been fulfilled. Joseph, when he was first taken into Egypt, was 17 years old. And then um, he, he was 37 when those seven bad years started, so when the famine started. So he has been there for about 20 years. We all know that his brothers, where they're living, and his dad, of course, the famine affects them as well. It's affecting a huge area. And so, of course, they don't have food. They don't have grain that they need. And so they end up coming to Joseph. I'm not going to read the whole part about that, but, you know, Joseph, he doesn't tell them at first that he's their brother. They don't recognize him when they first come to him. And it's just about, you know, Joseph sends them back home and um, to get their youngest brother, and their, their dad doesn't want to give him up because he already lost Joseph, who was his favorite son. And anyway, it's a great story of redemption. We're going to look at Genesis. We're going to jump back to, the, to Genesis 37 um, about those dreams that Joseph first had. Um, this was the dreams that he had told his brothers and dad before they, he got taken into slavery. So looking at chapter 37, we're going to first read verses 5 through 11. And it says, Now Joseph had a dream, and remember, Joseph's 17 at this point. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheep arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheep stood all around and bowed down to my sheep. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And so that's what he had told them when they, that was like the last straw when they wanted to give him up. <laughs> He's telling them and their, his older brothers that they're all going to bow down to him which was extremely offensive to them. At 42, I want to read verses 6 through 9. It says, Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, Where do you come from? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, You are spies, you have come to see the nakedness of the land. Can you imagine that thought in Joseph's mind? Um, and the funny thing is, as you read along, it's not, he doesn't, it's not contempt. He doesn't, he forgives them and he's not saying like, yes, that's what I dreamed. You are bowing down to me and now I'm going to make you pay for everything that you did to me. That wasn't it. You know, Joseph, it's a while before he tells them that he's their brother, but he's testing them and he's testing their hearts and just to see um, their character and what kind of people they are because to start with, they weren't too great considering this all started with them. But it's just one of God's ways, one example out of many of God's completion and his completion in this story. 
And it's just crazy to think that when he's 17 years old, God gave him these dreams. And he didn't even think, like he knew they were from God and he wanted to share them. He wanted to share them with his brothers and with his dad and they even rebuked him and they didn't want to hear it. And to think that it wasn't two months later that this was fulfilled, it was 20 plus years later that this was fulfilled. And I think, I take that as encouragement as well. Because maybe in this, whatever God is doing in our life, we're on year two. <laughs> or maybe we're on year 10 in this 20-year cycle. Or maybe we're in year 19 and 11 months. Like, I just think we need to remember that, again, our timing isn't God's timing, but it is perfect, and it is perfection. And God's not going to cut it short just a little bit because we ask of him to do that and cut cut his own plan short just because we don't want to wait anymore. Like, that's not how God works because God is perfect. But like we said, he will always fulfill his promises. And time does not control the fulfillment of, of God's promises, and I think we can rest in that. Sometimes that seems more of a burden <laughs> because we want an answer now. But if you just think, it's just, there's so many stories like that I can think of, some, of something that I prayed for that I asked to happen right then that never did. And now I am so thankful that that didn't happen. <laughs> it was a very bad prayer request, you know. And I think we all have, can picture and think back on things like that and know like, thank goodness God's plan was bigger than mine. And I just had blinders on and couldn't see that far or, you know, didn't have didn't think that something that crazy could happen in my life, um, or didn't think I was worthy of that, or didn't think I was deserving of that, but thank goodness that there was God, and that he stuck with his promises, and I, it just, you know, that convicted me as well, like, who are we to put a time limit on God, and who are we to limit what his plans for our life are, and I love that Joseph did not, he threw out all these awful things that happened in his life. It ended up leading, putting him in this leadership position. And, um, you know, he ended up bringing his whole family there. And he, he asked Pharaoh to put them in the best land for the farming. And it was just everything was divinely appointed to God. And I just, I love that. And maybe, of course, like Joseph probably questioned God. He probably did. It doesn't say that, but he probably did. But it didn't, doesn't change that he respected God and wanted to follow him to the ends of the earth, you know, whatever was going to happen, whether he was in prison, whether he went home, whether he was with his family, whether he wasn't. He believed in God and his promises. And I think this whole story is just a story of redemption, forgiveness, and purpose. And if you think of that, it's a perfect picture of the gospel. And I think, again, it's completion. <laughs> you know, this is the very beginning of the Bible. The book of Genesis, this is happening. And you think many years later when God sends his own son and Jesus, and he dies for our sins and we did not deserve it. And we were the brothers and we were the ones who threw Jesus in this hole, you know, put him into a place like being a slave and being beaten. Um, and we did not deserve forgiveness in any way, and we still don't, and we do not deserve to be redeemed, but still, God sent his son, Jesus died for us, no matter what we had done, and he loved us so much that he was willing to give his life, and that is such a beautiful thing, and that's so much, so encouraging as well, like, 
we, we didn't get what we deserved, but God, but God, like you can just end it there. And he has this perfect plan for our life. And, you know, God healed the division in Joseph's family, which I think is a beautiful thing as well. You know, and he can heal the divisions in our families, in our spiritual families, in our church families, or in our actual families. And I know so many people where that's a struggle, mine as well, with family, you know, dynamics and and people who aren't believers or just struggles that we have. But to think that all these years later, not only do the brothers come and bow to him, but Joseph forgives them. And even after their dad dies, the brothers are terrified because they think he must have just forgiven us or said he forgave us or said he loved us because he loved our dad. But now that our dad is dead, he's gonna kill us all. But there's a part in here if you read and he says, no, like I love you guys. Like you are my family and you are my brothers and, and I want the best for you and I want God's plan for you. And I, I think it's, also part of the big picture. I think it's really cool. I was reading Exodus today. This wasn't even going to be a part of what I was talking about. I was reading where after the plagues, um, so they're just getting ready to cross the Red Sea, and it says that Moses had uh, Joseph's bones with him. And if you go and skip ahead a little bit to Genesis 50, verse is 24 through 26, it says, So Joseph is on his deathbed. He's about to die. And it says, And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And so he, his body's in a coffin, he's in Egypt, until the time that the Israelite, that Moses leads them out of Egypt. And it just brought me to tears this morning because of the fact that, that Joseph knew. He knew that they weren't in the land that God had promised them because he knew what was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew that God was over his life, and of course he knew that God was in control. Like, look at his entire lifetime, everything that happened. But he also knew, big picture, that God wasn't going to stop. And this wasn't the end of God's plan. And he said, God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land. Like, that is quite the statement to make if you think about that. And it just gives me chills to think that he was 100% right. Because he knew God, and he knew God's promises, and he knew what God had told his forefathers, and he knew what God had told him. And like, let's rest in that knowing that we can trust what God has promised us. I mean, in Revelation, we can trust what God has said and what will happen. And so it just, it gives me goosebumps to think of what Moses and the Israelites must be thinking to be carrying these bones out of Egypt to go into the promised land and to think, you know, we thought he was a little crazy when he told us that back then. Like, we put him in his coffin and thought he'd be there forever, but... (laughs) They, they had his bones, and that is so symbolic, and I just love that. Yeah. Like, that is our God. There is no limits, and we cannot put any lid on him or his plan or what's happening. And when we look right now in our world and what's happening, like, it can put a damper on us. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's a lot of discouragement, and there are on hand for sure 
in our nation and what's happening, but like we have to remember big picture and what God has told us he will do and know that God absolutely will do that. And I, I want to be like Joseph and I want to have like know without a shadow of a doubt on my deathbed and say, I haven't seen it, but I know what's to come. And I know you will be taken into the promised land. Just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not gonna happen. That is just my prayer. Like, let us live a life devoted to Christ, unwavering in our faith. And of course, like, I, <laughs> I never wanna be thrown in prison. I never wanna be taken captive. I don't wanna be a slave. Like, I don't want any of these things. But I just think of, like I said before, you know, these missionaries, overseas and what they have gone through and I just want to know or even the disciples that were martyred you know I I want to be a person that will stand for my faith because I know that God is the ultimate end and like that is all I want in life and that's just my prayer for us that that we can live life knowing that with that goal ahead with that goal of the the end promised land really of heaven because that's been promised to us and that we can make sure that this world and this life we're living in doesn't waver our faith and doesn't you know that we don't believe the lies that the enemy is trying to put into us day after day after day because we know the truth and we know god's word so god we just pray to you today and i i just thank you so much for every person here and god I thank you for, first off, sending your son and for him dying for us when we did not deserve it. We don't deserve it. We are sinful, awful people, God. But we thank you that you forgave us and still forgive us day after day after day after we fall short of the glory of God. And Lord, I just thank you for your plan and that and for giving us your word and all your truths and lord i pray that we can this just encourages us to dive into your word and to just want more of you in everything we do we want to read about you we want to read about stories we want to read about your truths we want to read about your promises but not only that then we want to go out into the world and we want to tell everybody else around it around us and we want them to see that we have taken in so much of you that we can't even hold it anymore, that we're just bursting and that we are vessels of your glory, God, and that every single place we go, whether it's to work, to the post office, to school, um, in our family at home, wherever it is, Lord, that we are just um, radiating your love and Lord, I just pray for anyone right now who is in a place where they feel like they're in prison and they feel like no one sees them anymore and no one has noticed them and everyone has forgotten about them um, and they just feel hopeless. God, I pray that you show them that you have been there the entire time. And not only did you not leave, but you have gotten even closer to them, God, and that you are holding them and comforting them and I just pray that you really touch their heart and just give them a God wink, God, and just show them that there's a big picture and there is a plan. 
and that you have a plan for every single person. And no one, even though we are sinful people and we should fall short, we don't because of your love and grace and that you still have a plan for us. And I just pray that we can take this encouragement and go into this next week um, and just looking for you in everything that we see in life because you are, you're there in everything if we're just willing to seek you. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart.